These are the answers to the top questions on the Ask Engineers Reddit thread. I've got a bunch of content ready for you, and I've got all your questions here lined up, and I'll answer where I've been, and also the 10 plus 1 steps to problem solving book. Here we go. This is the Engineering IRL Podcast, a place for engineers in the real world. We try to break down engineering concepts and figure out how to apply them to real life. Let's become better problem solvers, better engineers. This is your host, Andrew Sario. Let's begin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Engineering IRL show for engineeringinreallife.com. I am your host, Andrew Sario, and it's been a little while, hasn't it? Uh, I think the last episode that I released was Revision 38, Engineering Helicopter Safety Systems, Reducing the Risk of a Helicopter Crash. And it was a pretty, pretty good episode, uh, as well as the couple before that. I think we had Mission to Mars and Systems Engineers Solve Complex Problems. Um, but today's episode is a special one in that I'm going to do a classic approach to the format, just driven by like key questions. So I've lined up some questions on Ask Engineers that, that was on there on the on that Reddit thread, and we'll see if we can answer them raw. Where have I been? So I guess since the uh, lockdowns, where I've been is essentially my primary job picked up. It got busier because I work in critical infrastructure, and so that doesn't slow down, right? And because we're working remotely, I actually got a lot more work done. Things became uh, more productive. My work from home setup is pretty damn good. And a lot of my work was in design phases. So the work I was doing was better off at home anyways. So that was actually one of the drivers. I got a lot more busier and adjusting to the whole lifestyle. How's work? It's been good, yeah. Uh, quite busy, like I mentioned. Getting a lot of design work. And the good thing is, like, if you notice... Uh, the podcast release schedule kind of goes in bursts. You know, we get a burst of episodes and then it kind of lulls down and then we get another burst of episodes. Um, but what happens is when I do more engineering work, then that gives me more context and things to talk about in the podcast. Is this is the episode format changed? For the very least, this episode has changed just for uh, this purpose. But the overall overall setting is, is uh, mostly the same. I just wanted to go and return to this format. Why am I going with this style? Well, that's because the high production time spent on the previous few episodes takes a fair amount of time. Like the the uh, production schedule has a lot more time dedicated to it. And because I'm doing a few other things with engineering IRL right now, which I'll get to uh, in a moment, I needed to dedicate some time to that. So actually I've been in the background developing a lot of stuff uh, as well as work stuff picking up. Engineering IRL has been picking up behind the scenes. So if you haven't had a look yet, go to uh, engineeringinreallife.com and have a look at the site. The entire site's actually revamped. The tagline we're going with is real skills for a successful life in engineering. For more articles there, uh, we have a shop. There's merchandise. We've got, we've got these mugs. If you follow our socials, you'll see that we've got this uh, classic engineering meme where you've got the engineer as a function, problems and coffee are the inputs, and normally you have solutions as the output with this side effect of sarcasm, but our version has sarcasm as the default output, solutions are actually the side effect, and I think that's uh, closer to reality. Anyway, so that's on a cool mug, um, shirts and jumpers and all that sort of stuff. And then I set up a uh, free membership so you get access to additional resources if you sign up for free membership on the website. And the good thing is, and this is probably the biggest piece taking my time at the moment, is you will get full access to my new book. The new book is 10 plus one steps to problem solving, an engineer's guide 
based on a career in operational technology and control systems. So essentially I have a uh, 10 plus 1 steps to problem solving that I've actually used in my career. And with that, what I did was I took those steps and I, uh, you would have uh, remembered back to episode two, I had one that was kind of a raw version of that. It's been formalized over the years and essentially I wrote an article and then I was like, actually, this is, there's a lot of content here. So what I did was I collated them all into a more formalized structure, which is the, which is the book. And the cool thing is in the book, uh, in the book, you get a lot of stories from my actual career where I used some of these techniques just to give you different perspectives. And then you can think of it as a tool that you use to know how to boost your career. So think about um, your problem solving skills. That's one of the key things you do as an engineer. So how can you leverage that skill, that core skill to get you better jobs, you know, assigned to bigger projects and you know, justify promotions and things like that. So why interweave all of this career stuff right into the book within the steps? And it's all contextual and all that stuff. So I think it's really cool. And anyone who listens to the show will actually get benefit from it because a lot of them have those underlying philosophies that we talk about in the show where we apply some of the engineering stuff that we know to real life, which is cool. What are the 10 steps? Um, so the 10 steps have got kind of interesting titles that hopefully hook you in a little bit more, but it might be enough to kind of give you an idea. So the first step is the question. Second is the obvious. Third is eyes. Fourth is check yourself. Fifth is Dr. G. Sixth is the RTFM protocol. Seven is strip. Eight is what about the environment. Nine is phone a friend. And 10 is pray. The 11th step, which is 10 plus one, the plus one step is kind of a secret step. It's what I, I use to get myself out of any other situation. Um, but it kind of only makes sense in the context of the other steps. So actually, majority of the problems, like 90%, you really solve in those first 10 steps. And probably 80% of your problems you solve in the first three, three to four. So that's kind of the power of it. I think if you, well, okay, actually, here's one thing you can do. You can go to the website, engineeringinreallife.com forward slash book. Even if you go to the homepage, you'll find the link. Um, once you sign up, you get online access. And then what you can do is you log in, you go to your 10 plus one online access um, in the shortcut bar at the top, and then you'll get what's well, early stage version of the chapters. I think I've got chapters one, two, and nine up there. So you can already read through it and get an idea of what's in there if, if, if the book's not already released. So that's something that you should do today and make sure you lock in that access. I'm going to be labeling who are the OG engineering IRL people. So once you sign up, you'll, um, you'll get a special badge and I'll know who are they, who are the people that started with me before I released it. And we'll think of something. There'll be a prize or some game or something to earn, essentially. So what's the update on 10 plus 1 writing status? So um, at about 140,000 words or something, the book's at... 180 odd pages and we're in the internal editing phase which means I'm going back through all the chapters so I've got the story down I've got all the the primary text down but I'm going through and if there's any gaps or continuity that's missing I'm filling that in and then I'm also keep refining the uh the words that are there I learned a pretty cool technique off Jordan Peterson which is what you want to do is you want to get your words on the page. So the reason why you get stuck writing things sometimes is your brain does two things. It wants to write and it wants to edit. And the editing brain is actually slowing you down because instead of getting raw thoughts out of your head, you don't put it to paper because you're editing already like it's not right. That doesn't make sense. You're trying to make sense of it. But what you should do is just get the, the bad incoherent text from the brain onto the page first. And as a separate process, go back and edit. You'll get a lot more words out. Um, 
and that's how I managed to write, you know, uh, a lot in, the, in about a month's span. Just get the words out and then separately do your editing process and it's a lot better because you've got something to work with, you, you avoid this like writer's block. I think um, even if you do like online applications, sometimes they come up with like these five questions and you're like stuck trying to answer the question. Uh, you can't even type your answer, but if you just get some the, the ugliest, like the straight thoughts that come in, even if they don't make sense, don't think about the English, just put words on a page. That's the trick. Anyway, so that's in there. I've got the internal editing. Once I get through that internal editing, I'll submit it to some external editors. There's a few avenues I'm going through and uh, at the same time I'll be releasing snippets and pieces and see which one gets kind of some sort of reaction um, and focus it down that way. So I guess hopefully my, my plan is to do or be close to at least a launch in September as the plan. It's a bit ambitious um, but it's doable. It's doable. Also there's been about you know 100 signups so far for the early access to the book so get in, be one of those people. You know, be one of the OGs and help us build this community. It's a good way for me to know that the that the book will um, have some sort of audience when it does release. But I already know it does with this uh, with the engineering IRL people. So, all right, let's get to it. So, top top ask engineers questions of the week. This was last week's questions, but let's see. I'm an undergrad for electrical engineering, but I feel like I know absolutely nothing. How did you feel when you graduated? Did everything work out? <laughs> For sure, I knew absolutely nothing for my for myself. So um, I was probably in a worse position in the sense that I wasn't an electrical engineer and I joined an electrical company. So basically, 95% of all the other engineers were electrical engineers. And I remember early days, there was a, a meeting and the manager just like popped some joke and it was it was in the vein of, well, you know what happens when the frequency increases? And everyone laughed, and I didn't know why, so I laughed. Of course, you know, I did this awkward laugh like. Please don't ask me why I'm laughing, uh, because I didn't know the underlying. Uh, I couldn't get the joke right, but it turned out fine. Like like you know most of my story, it turned out fine. I think that what you learn on the job it just far outweighs what you learn in the classroom. The classroom gives you a lot of the underlying principles, so you need a some of these underlying principles, but b you need to be able to have the capability to understand those principles. I think that's the more important part when you're um, going through your college or university, you're basically learning how you learn. You're learning how to write, approach people, be professional, all that sort of stuff. And, and they count, but most employers are getting new grads, not because of their skill, <laughs> right? They're seeing if they can work with the team. They're seeing if they're coachable and can learn some of this stuff um, and have some sort of track record of achieving things. That's pretty much it. They don't expect you to be able to do what they do on their job. Otherwise, they'd have to pay you a lot more money. <laughs> a good reason for leaving a company. Explaining in an interview why you left your old job. Right. So if you're in an interview and they ask, oh, so why are you leaving the old job? Um, I think straight up honesty is the best as a general principle, except, right? I say except. Um, the other priority is you don't want to be bad-mouthing the other company. Like you don't want to, uh, what is it, air out your dirty laundry in public. Like... You gain nothing from that, and it also you're talking negatively. I think a lot of people talk about the reputation and how you they might think you would apply that to the new job and all that stuff. But I think really you're just taking quite a negative swing to the conversation by doing so. So what are the reasonable answers? There's some generic ones, but you might feel like you're lying. But I think really the company goals and your role within that did not match, you know, what you what you were going for. 
your own goals. I think that is a truth. So you can expand on it or not, but you don't need to. You can just say, look, there was no specific thing that occurred because it probably was a combination of things, right? I mean, it might just straight up be more money. This I know I heard this company has more money, so I got sick of the money. Look, that's, again, your goal is not aligning, right, with what the company's got um, for you position-wise. So that's a legit reason. For me, when I changed jobs, it was about the the assets that I was working on. So in the power industry, you have to go where the power is, and those are in remote sites, and I made it about travel which meant it's impossible to do my job without travel because that's where the assets were. So I wanted to move to a company where the assets were local. So even if I had to go to site, I was local. And that was a legit reason. When doing task time estimation, do you multiply your result by pi? So do I multiply my result by three? Um, I've heard this is pretty good advice. I think I'm uh, a culprit of estimating too efficiently. You know, sometimes you you know, you know, the expectation is this will take two weeks and you're like, I could do that in, in a day. And maybe you can, but you have to. What you didn't do is cater for all these other bits and pieces. So it's actually not too bad advice. Most times it feels weird if, if you think that a task might take you one week. And so you tell them two weeks and they had an expectation of three days and the project manager is looking like two weeks, what? Right. So even if it does take you a week or three days, like you initially set that expression expectation to two weeks it's not a bad piece of advice to be honest but i think three is a little bit high on the high end but it's actually not too bad can i rescind my two weeks notice oh that's a toughie i actually don't know like you can right there's no legal precedent to say that you can't but i don't think it looks too good <laughs> i think for most people if you're planning to put in your two weeks notice and it's a two week notice you're not even giving a month notice like you know more than that a lot of time so you're doing your minimum they will put minimum effort to you rescinding and then your intentions are out there it might be obvious uh, i think the entire situation uh, and the context of the situation may change it depends on the nature of which you submitted it but to answer the question directly you can how is another question but i would say as much honesty as you can fill it with right because you want to be sincere you don't want to be playing games here and you don't want to be rude but you also need to understand that that they they know now right even if they knew like you're on the way out or they've always known or it's, you know it's all out in the air that kind of makes it official and you trying to take it back looks you're not in a position of leverage at all right so they don't have to honor you right they can take that notice and that's the notice should i grad next year or avoid covid affected economy and go for an internship year and a master's hmm for me, uh, I think a couple things. One is you really need to understand your goal. Like, if you just want to get out there and get experience, I think you grad and you try to get a job in the COVID-affected economy because you're already not dependent on that money, right? And if you can establish yourself in this economy, that's that means every other economy you're going to be great, right? So, if your goal is really to get out and actually start doing some engineering, I think that's probably the best way. I think the safe route you're saying go for an internship year and a master's. I think. If you're all, if you if you've always imagined I'm gonna be a master in X, right? You you know you're going for your masters. I, I don't think the internship year is a bad idea because you want to get that experience in and you can start your studies at the same time. Um, one thing to consider is if you do work, if you do grad, um, and become an engineer, 
you might get an idea of what masters you actually want to do and you might even get into a company where they might support you to get that masters so instead of you feeling like you're just straight up extending your study and paying more money you might feel like you're getting paid to get your masters right and you're also more focused on what it is that you're trying to do you have a path like if i get this masters it's going to cost me this much but i can see this career path which will equal this much money you can almost value it it's definitely one perspective to go on but i think you need to get clear on what you're actually trying to achieve and i don't think that avoiding the covid economy is should be your primary driver i think it's a consideration but it's not your primary driver because every economy there's always going to be something right so yeah anyway just good luck on that one what are the major differences between entry-level engineer versus senior engineer job in terms of roles and responsibilities i would say it's a lot i think um underlying principles in terms of the work you might feel like hey i'm still doing the same work they're doing yes but when you don't own the responsibility it's completely different right you own some responsibility for your portion of work but your portion forms a bigger part of the work that the senior engineers um, have responsibility for that they have to answer for to higher ups and it's not good enough for them even if you are working under them you do a job for them and you solely messed up you're the one you're literally the root cause of the problem they still have to be the one to answer for it. They can blame you and stuff, but they still wear the responsibility. And a lot of the time, their job is to get that job done, right? So they don't care about the blame or attribution and things like that, except for the problem-solving reasons. But um, that's probably one of the big differences. They actually do a lot of work for you, so they don't just look at what you're doing, sign it off, you do all the work, and they get the credit. It's not, it doesn't work that way. They actually should be checking it. And maybe they are acting like that, right? And they get all the credit, but that's fine. You don't wear the problem at the end of the day. They were, Their name's the one that checked it. So whatever's your fault is still their fault. And that's going to be the biggest difference. I think on a technical front, they're not expecting too much from you. They're going to portion out work that requires little explanation as they think they can. Or they're going to offload the tedious work. You're going to be stuck more doing in the trenches type work in terms of your role. And responsibilities so you're, you're more focused on providing the best piece of work that you can provide without worrying about the big picture and they're a little bit more worried about the big picture aligning with the project managers goals and the overall stakeholders of the business all right cool so wrapping up uh look let me know if you have any specific topics in mind i got a lot i've got a lot of feedback over the top, over the months about what people would like to hear so i'll get to that list and start uh, approaching them don't forget to check out the revamp website and to sign up for the free online book access okay it's engineeringinreallife.com forward slash book i'm also planning to collect names for the people who signed up in the pre-release like i said and include their names in the hard copy of the book look if you want to be a part of that you have to email me and that'll and that'll be a specific thing that I work on. If you're not subscribed to the podcast, this is the time. Seriously, if you got to this episode, you got this far, just hit subscribe, okay? It's not going to impact you or hurt you, but you might get some good value, okay? And I think the biggest thing is to share it and help get more engineering content out there. If you think there is a lack of engineering content out there, even if, you know, some the existing ones aren't the greatest quality, if you like it, basically that creates the demand, that brings more people, that drives the need, and then therefore you get more content. So that is actually the best way to do that. All right, I hope you enjoyed this episode. A little bit more raw and straight up thoughts, similar to what we did in the original episodes. I think we'll have a lot more content coming once I start getting closer to the uh, finish of the book, because writing for that is taking a lot of time, but it's also a lot of fun. If you want to see snippets and things like that, just follow all the social pages. I'm posting a lot of stuff every day to give you an idea. And the biggest thing is just thanks for being part of the engineering IRL community. I, I get all the stats and I see all the listens and, you know, it's a pretty cool achievement to have hit, you know, 11,000 uh, downloads. I think that's a pretty cool achievement. And hopefully 
we'll get a few more than that. And that's it. I'll probably take on some interviews soon and we'll go from there. Anyway, uh, that being said, thanks.